Hello and welcome everyone to our premiere inaugural very first Damn Interesting Week podcast. Regular readers of our site will of course be familiar with our curated link section. This is an expansion of our normal long-form podcasts into a weekly roundup of those amazing interesting links from around the web on a daily basis. I am your host Jennifer Lee Noonan. I'm Curtis Luciani. I'm Courtney Hopkin. I'm Angela Epley. And this was a Damn Interesting Week. So let's get started with our first link. First link. All right, we're going to start light. We're going to start with human interest. Now, this is an article by Jacob Kastronakis uh, reported on TheVerge.com, and I think a lot of us heard about this. A ton of people received text messages overnight that were originally sent on Valentine's Day. Did you... Did you no, hear about this? Were you affected this. by this? No, I feel left out. Uh, it's a super huge bummer, um, but oh. <laughs> a server, essentially, of text messages went offline or had a problem, uh, stalled out in some way. Back on, in February. Yeah, back in February on Valentine's Day. And they only just now got around to rebooting this particular server. So a ton of people on November 7th got texts that were sent on Valentine's Day. Well, that has so, a lot of potential to really ruin a day. Uh, yeah. Uh huh. So obviously, there's the really heartbreaking side of it, which is, of course, some folks got messages from, you know, dead people, dead, dead lovers, Aww. you know, um, from uh, people that they had broken up with, exes. I'm sure people had, you know, one off nights of passion off of it as well. <laughs> uh, it was a lot of messages. The thing, I mean, you got to think about how do you not know that one of your major servers is is dead and offline for what seven months? I mean, that that seems someone should should be in I trouble. Mean, there's so many messages. It's probably a big old warehouse just full of messages. Hundreds and hundreds of servers. You know, a few hundred thousand messages go missing. You know, there's there's <laughs> a million more the next day. You know. Old Gladys at the front desk. She's got too much work. Yeah. She, she can only stamp so many messages in a day. <laughs> That's right. Gladys, Someone's typing them up. Gladys is working the switchboard, just trying to get everyone their messages. So the moral of the story is tell people you love them in person. Don't don't send a text message. Yeah, don't send text messages unless you're comfortable with them being delivered uh, at any point in well, the it's, future. It's almost, I mean, it's very Civil War-like. Like it used to be if you sent a letter, it would take several months to get to... The, the love of your life. Yeah. So, you know, maybe maybe this is a return to the old days. That's right. It was yeah. just a vintage revival. Yeah. That's right. Every text message you send should end with like, if if I do not survive <laughs> by the time you read this, dearest Clara. Just end every text message with, if you got this, reply. <laughs> yes. 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 If you love me, say so. Say yes. Delivered November 7th. That's right. <laughs> All right. Next link. Next, next link. link. So, you know, when you are a kid and you're making faces and your parents tell you that your face is going to get stuck like that. Mm -hmm. Sure. Uh, the uh, headline is the man whose face got stuck like that. So it, it really happened. This mm, is something that. Not particularly. To, to a sample size of one, according to the article. Right. Okay. But this guy, he was a sculptor in the 1700s and uh, he had like a, a fine career. And uh, he was going to be a full professor soon. And then he had uh, what people of the time called a confusion of the head. And uh, <laughs> it's a medical term. Mm -hmm. Common. And, and uh, he moved into a an apartment where he had only a few possessions, a flute. Uh, <laughs> One a, of the most important of the possessions. <laughs> a yeah. pipe. 
and uh, just... these character heads that he'd been working on. <laughs> I'm only assuming that those character heads were also cylindrical in shape. Yeah. <laughs> I want two things I can do with my mouth and my character heads. <laughs> the character heads were sculptures he'd made in these grotesque grimaces. He would model them himself, the grimaces, and so a visitor reported that his face had been ruined by modeling <laughs> these faces. Uh, but if they have pictures of them in the article, if you want to take a look at them, the faces, they look maybe like you're making fun of someone or making a face at them, or you're smelling something terrible, or a lot of them look like pooping. Do they have a fa- his face, like a photo of him, so we can decide for ourselves if he's busted? They did not have a photo of his face. Aww. These are just recounts from the time. Wait, so this, uh, 17th century guy. Yeah. And this, yeah. Oh, I missed yeah. that part. That <laughs> no photos. <laughs> Make no the photos. photos a little trickier. Um, well, no maybe fo- that's why he had the character faces, right? Yes. You're not able to take photos, and these were expressions yeah. he that's had right. to capture for some reason. So I'm, I'm picturing this guy. So he's looking in a mirror, I suppose. What's I this s- guy's name? Uh, Messerschmitt. Messerschmitt. Messerschmitt's looking in the mirror, simultaneously making the face and looking at the face, trying to model the face. And that ruins your face while you do that. I mean, you got to hold it pretty hard into place yeah. to, mm-hmm. to, yeah. I yeah, imagine. For sure. Uh, he believed he was being tormented by demons who were angry that his work had uncovered the divine secrets of human proportion. Uh, <laughs> he also felt this was incredibly unfair because he'd lived a celibate, sparse life. <laughs> Not fair. Poor Messerschmitt. Aw. Uh, next link. Next, next link. link. I'm going to bring things down a little bit. Talking about... Living funerals. Ooh. Mm. Haven't so, we always wondered, like, in a moment of spite or anger, like, you'll be sorry when I'm dead? Yes. Sure. We, I, just me? Yeah. Totally fine. <laughs> well, I never think the you'll be sorry. I'm just like, how many people would be there? <laughs> yeah. Well, there's kind of a way to test, sort of, maybe, in South Korea, according to this Reuters article. There is a South Korean service offering free funerals, but only to the living. Mm. Uh, interestingly, it's listed as a funeral home in Google Maps, but the place is called the Hyowon Healing Center, which mm. I thought was kind of a nice touch. And the experience includes donning a shroud, taking funeral portraits, and lying in a closed coffin for around 10 minutes. Ooh, so that, that part of it sounds... That's the part I'd be out at. I'm not yeah. into the closed, confined space. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm fascinated by the these are free services. Is the idea that because of loyalty, you then hook them up with your actual funeral, <laughs> like the business for your actual funeral? Or is it like the movie theaters that sell food where it's like the movie is just playing, but they what they're really selling is the food and the alcohol? Like, is that? that I think that's a pretty capitalist lens, which may not be incorrect. <laughs> but according true. to the article, it was more of a sense so of like, look, appreciate what you have here. Right. I mean, just this, foster community. And yeah. Foster community gives you an opportunity that if you do, if if you're estranged from someone, maybe bring them to the living funeral or make your peace with it at this time. So it maybe inspires you to not stay out of contact. I feel like there's a big market for being passive aggressive where you're not staging your own living funeral. You're going to like schedule one for someone else and call them and be like, hey, by the way, you've got a place to be. Like a mafia tactic? That's right. That's right. It's just letting them know, hey, you're not going to be around forever. What a a messed up surprise party that would be. That's right. You show up thinking you're going to someone else's planned funeral and they're like, no, get in the coffee. Is there... um, (laughs) Like, can you get the Tom Sawyer type option where it's like, yeah, it's a pretend funeral, but 
the guests shouldn't know that. I want to I want to peek from behind a, you know, a tree and see what That's they right, say about me. That's right, see what they're me. saying. Yeah. Everything about the article made it sound more about helping people <laughs> learn to live in the present and dissuade them from suicide as opposed to pranking their loved ones. Right. We're, we're, we're trying to bring it down. We really want this sordid story. <laughs> <laughs> Why won't depressing. you give it to us? Well, well, you know, this is only how they're doing it in South Korea. There's nothing stopping the good old U.S. of A. from having our own yeah. kind of prank your friends living funeral <laughs> right we can yeah. bring all these horrific things to light you guys yeah. if we just yeah. put our heads together That's right does actually seem like a pretty good idea i probably would not want to lay down in the coffin no, i would go i would take out. a pass on the 10 minutes yeah. in the coffin 10 minutes in a closed coffin mm. no. mm. yeah. and on that note next link <laughs> next, next link. link all right i have a really fantastic one from uh everybody's favorite country estonia Ooh. this comes from errr news the news leader in estonia i presume uh they have a new system there with their police department they're going to be offering timeouts as a punishment to speeders rather than speeding ticket. So if you're going up to 20 kilometers an hour over the limit, you have to wait for 45 minutes in this little parking area right next to the road where you get pulled over. If you're going between 20 and 40 over the limit, you have to wait for 60 minutes. And right now it's a pilot program where they're letting people choose. They say we can charge you the normal fine or you can take your little time out over here and think about what you've done. <laughs> and I think it almost would be a little bit backwards because they're doing a study on this. The idea of if everybody chooses the fine, then pretty clearly the timeout is a worse punishment. And then they can say, no, we're definitely going to implement mm. this. This is the new punishment for this crime because right. they're doing it on a road where there's a lot of fatalities and they really want everybody to slow down and they just don't know how else to do it. Yeah. That is a dang good idea because... I would be pretty pissed off if yeah. I had to wait for sure. 45 I mean, minutes. if the whole reason that you're speeding is to get somewhere faster and then you're tacking on 45, 60 minutes of wait. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Pretty humiliating, too. Absolutely. I feel like the, car, the, the, the shame area. of it. Yeah. Like a yeah. lot of a lot of the best punishments involve just sort of infantilizing and shame going like, yeah, you know that you were not behaving like an adult just now. And so we're going to treat you like a kid and put you in timeout. <laughs> you know, I feel like I would opt for this this mandatory stop like if i'm speeding to work and hey i got i got put in time out That's sorry right. guys i got time to catch up on work i got cut time to catch up on my feeds jam Just out to some to videos sleep. i mean yeah. maybe have like a little sleep mask in the car for mm -hmm. your anticipated timeouts yeah. Yeah. sounds good you and you're grounded from your ipad we're all moving to estonia <laughs> next week no screen time <laughs> no screen time all right next link next, next link, link. Okay, who wants to hear about some gross stuff? I do. Me, me. Yeah, okay. Mm. Uh, so this is an article from The Guardian by Serene Kale titled 50 Years of Pickup Artists. Why is the toxic skill still so in demand? Ugh. I know. This is, um, it's, it's, it's less of a um, far-reaching overview and more of a, just a reported piece of, of her following around some pickup artist teacher for a day um, and a couple of his uh, trainees. Um, and uh, it's a good read if you'd like to cringe uh, like so hard that you implode into yourself <laughs> like a black hole. Um, but the terminology has not even changed. They still talk about negging, you know, like you'd think That's they would have had say. to rebrand negging yeah. at least to try and make it seem. <laughs> but when this started getting really mainstream and like the secret and the game and all this stuff started getting really big. I was fascinated with it from a defensive position because for me it was like I want to understand the terminology, the you methodology. Know the I want to understand this so that if it's happening to me, 
how you're using language to to manipulate and influence is uh, it's fascinating because it's also found in things like propaganda, marketing, politics. I mm-hmm. mean, you you find these threads everywhere. It's just these guys are just looking to to smash. You yeah. know, right? They're using yeah. it for their particular purposes. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's I think it's cool that one of the things about modern life is you know just from all angles you're constantly inundated with like coercive persuasion Mm -hmm. you know it's an interesting thing when you think about like advertising for example it's just like man we we went the wrong way when we just decided that was okay like as a country as a society it's like yeah sure just like put up ads everywhere back of my eye pervade just go for it you know Mm -hmm. every surface every media Mm -hmm. with people just trying to convince me to buy stuff that's fine why not well and like you said it's worth analyzing the behavior so that you're better equipped to, to deal with it. It's good to see these profiles and go, no, these people are out there. This is how they're yeah. operating. And, yeah. 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 If, th- if this article is any indication, though, it's, it, I mean, always a sad operation, but in this particular instance, quite pathetic as well. So, you oh, know. Oh, good. That'll, that'll be fun to read then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just sad across the board. <laughs> fun, is, fun is an exaggeration, but, you know, it's, it's an accident that it's hard to look away from. All right. Next link. Next, Next link. link. Uh, This story is from the BBC. The headline is sex toys worth one million pounds stolen from a truck. Uh, This lorry truck uh, had a bunch of sex toys on it and somebody stole them in the early hours of one morning. So it was a large collection of relatively inexpensive sex toys, not like a single sex toy (laughs) worth millions of dollars. 24 karat gold. (laughs) Yes. Okay. This took place in Northamptonshire, which I looked up how to pronounce and had a hilarious uh, string of just computer generated uh, <laughs> pronunciations, uh, which were all very terrible and wrong. I found one human speaker, but uh, that so, was highly amusing. I'm sorry, not to sidetrack, but so you say Northamptonshire. North, it's, no, Northamptonshire. Northampton. Okay. It's always that trouble. Was, that the, was the one human said that I found. <laughs> with these English like place names, it's just like, okay, wait, how much of the... Letters sure. should I omit? Mm-hmm. Yes, I never recovered from. It's like Gloucestershire. Yeah, not not Gloucestershire. Yes. So the Northamptonshire police uh, had an official Facebook post about it, talking about how these adult toys were stolen from uh, a lorry, um, and they never uh, delivered their load. It says here. <laughs> oh <this>. my god! <laughs> <laughs> uh, very fun. A uh, little bit of a. Uh, uh, cheekiness there in the uh, Facebook post and the comments are insane. I'm not insane. They're hilarious. Uh, one comment. I assume they smashed in the driver's back doors and slipped in through the rear. Jeez. <laughs> Another comment. The lorry should have carried extra protection. Uh, <laughs> it's a very mm-hmm. unconsequential story were it not for the fact that uh, it's a very, very cool, very fun exchange between the police department and the yeah. residents of Northamptonshire yeah. having a bit of fun at the company's expense. It would also be a fun time to be, you know, just a very serious, experienced, hard-nosed Northamptonshire crime beat reporter. Yes. You know, oi, oi bruv, how many deals we talking, bruv? <laughs> That's right. How many did I take? <laughs> the place that was going to receive all these goods was called Rocks Off. Yeah. Next well, link. That, that makes next, next link. Uh, let's talk about the plague. Oh, all right. Mm, I mean, ooh, ever since ooh, Curtis ooh. talked about gross but not gross, but let's bring it back to gross. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so this article uh, 
called Plague was around for millennia before epidemics took hold, and the way people lived might be what protected them from the national interest. Uh, so the bacteria that causes the plague, Yersinia pestis, which is a really rather elegant name mm. for... Yeah, pestis is nice. Pestis, kind of, I'm sure there's sort of a Latin root that makes sense, but Yersinia. I, I, that could be a person's name. It could be like, lovely. I think it's a lovely name. Um, although it is thought to be responsible for up to 200 million deaths across human history, mm. which is more than twice the casualties of World War II. And this largely occurred over three epidemics. First epidemic was the 6th century Justinianic plague, which was uh, what hit the Roman Empire. The 14th century Black Death, which most of us are familiar with, killed somewhere between 40 and 60 percent of the European population. Mm -hmm. And the ongoing third pandemic, which began in China in the mid-19th century and currently afflicts thousands worldwide. Wow. It's still happening, y'all. Mm. They're thinking that a lot of the research that they've been doing looks at um, some obvious factors that most of us are familiar with. Population density, agriculture, namely using grain as a staple food, having that attract cohabitating rodents and that sort of thing. But they're also looking at some interesting theories about why some cultures were not as affected by it. This was mostly due to the fact that they were populations that were kind of mobile. So they were nomadic. Um, they were maybe pastoral, but didn't have really set agriculture to bring the rodents in. And an interesting little factoid here is that in the Samara culture in particular, the burial mounds that they found uh, indicated that horses were highly valued. And they're thinking that maybe this reliance on horses, because some scholars are suggesting that horses may carry natural immunity to plague. Mm -hmm. And so the idea is if you had regular contact with horses, it could potentially reduce a population's susceptibility to the disease. Well, and there's actually quite a lot of populations that have horses for a lot of transportation that drink horse milk as a, th that's their staple. Yeah. They don't have cows, uh -huh. they have horses, and that's their thing. So that may... They may not just be touching. They may be actually ingesting yeah. some mm -hmm. of these maternal antibodies and everything that, that would be helping mm. them out. Regular contact with horses also is just nice. Yes. It's, Ponies. It's, it feels according good. According to horses. every 12-year-old girl yeah. ever. And me. <laughs> and Curtis. And Curtis. <laughs> <laughs> they're and, majestic. I mean, they're like smart as doggos yeah. and you can ride them. Yeah. I mean, and now you have a scientific reason. You say, yes. Mom, it's because I'm protecting yeah. us from the plague. It's a pet that's a car, Courtney. I, I drew <laughs> so many horses. I don't think you understand what I'm saying here. <laughs> it's a car not, that's a pet, but it's not a car. Yeah. Pet. I'm not. I'm not... <laughs> Calling out other 12-year-old girls. Horses are magical. Yeah. I would like to see these drawings. Yeah. Yes. They so, were so, so the necks, <laughs> monstrous, monstrous necks and tiny heads. They had a giant goiter from the plague. That's <laughs> horrifying. So, yeah, bring it back around to the plague. Still around today. Has there been any confirmation as to whether or not those uh, medieval, like, plague oh, doctor cones, yeah. masks, are, are those good? I actually know a little bit about this uh, because I actually have a plague fascination. <laughs> uh, the cones actually inadvertently worked. Uh, uh, they were there to mask the smell. They were filled with herbs and stuff. Mm -hmm. Because if they smelled the bad humors, then they would get the plague. Mm -hmm. That's not actually well, what's happening. Uh, but it ended up sort of protecting them from germs. So it did actually work. They but just it didn't just wasn't, know why. Yeah, it wasn't what they necessarily the intended. If what they intended is that centuries later, they would look awesome in you know music videos for you know industrial goth. That's what they were acts. thinking then themselves. Yeah, They're then like, this is going to be really hot it. outfit. Yeah. <laughs> they left a legacy. Right. All right, next link. Next, next link. link. So what would you guys guess is 
kind of the oldest company? Like, what do you think is the maximum number of years that a single company could be in existence in our current modern mm, history? I don't know, but it's probably like a spice company. Is it like a spice exporting? I say 400 importing? years. There is a company in Japan that is 1,400 years old. It is uh, continuous. They've been uh, almost entirely run by people in a particular genetic line in a family. Uh, They are a construction company that specializes in building and repairing Buddhist temples. And they started in 578 CE, the common era. Uh, This guy, Kongo, actually came from Korea. He came into Japan because Buddhism and was a new thing then. They had previously been mostly Shinto, I believe, and they basically said, no, we're going to promote Buddhism now. The prince at the time said, everybody's going to be Buddhist. And this guy said, I know how to build Buddhist temples. So he went over there and he started this company. And one of the things this article is noting as far as, you know, what made this company live so long, they're still in business today. They said, worldwide, there are over 5,500 companies that are over 200 years old. Of those, more than 3,000 of them are in Japan. They wow. have a hardcore culture of keeping these businesses running, uh, and they have a whole sort of corporate manual called the Shokuke Kokoroe no Koto, but it doesn't just talk about business. It has a lot of cultural rules like uh, do not put yourself forward, never fight with others, do not shame a person or boast. And so, of course, they feel like this corporate culture of being a good person and not putting profits first has yeah. actually helped them last longer than their competitors. You know, it's, it's, such a, it's such a nightmare already when it's just like my dad wants me to work at the same, you know, steel factory that he worked at, or he wants me to take over the the family upholstering business. But like, you know, how much of a nightmare would it be if you're like the eldest son, your family business is 1400 years old. It has a spiritual basis <laughs> in repairing Buddhist temples. And you're just like, Man, I just want to dance. Right. I, like, this isn't my thing, Dad. Pro esports is my thing. I'm so good at Fortnite. I can't. I can get sponsored, Dad. You don't understand. Yeah, that's millennia of pressure. What if he has such a great talent for repairing temples? Then maybe he's like, the it, dancing it does nothing for carpenter. Me. You know, and and it becomes you can start. You get a reality show to go with it. It revives interest in these artisanal techniques. There you go. Oh, uh, this sounds. This is a hit making machine right. over here this is i well let, get on let's that. let's all get together and we're gonna pitch this <laughs> okay work on a treatment <laughs> next link next, next link. link okay guys we all know we messed up earth is a busted outhouse all right it's time to think about terraforming some other planet in the solar system i think we all agree on this point right? I've, I've been making my plans yeah. i'm drawing up yeah Okay, so this is from BigThink.com, article by Matt Davis. This is about the top four candidates in our solar system for terraforming. That's, that seems like a very a top four. optimistic number. Yeah, you have that's to, higher you, than I would have expected. You have to stretch pretty hard even just one or two to get down one, right. in this list. All right, but let's talk about it. Okay, number one, guesses. It's got to be Mars. Got to be Mars, right? Mm-hmm. It, and it is. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it is Mars. Okay. So what do we got to do to make Mars and uh, habitable? Uh, we got to create an atmosphere, and we gotta we gotta be able to sustain it because ours Mars has no uh, magnetosphere, uh, which means solar winds just blow away the atmosphere on Mars. So maybe a gigantic magnetic shield in orbit between Mars and the Sun. Right? How hard could that be? Oh, sounds easy. Simple. Big old shield. Boom! You got to You got you got no more. <laughs> Throw it up. No in more the solar space. wind, right? 
great. So we're, we're talking about a yeah. physical barrier, like a bubble around the entire planet that protects. I, I guess, or it would somehow be an orbit between. I don't know exactly how that would work. Uh, but, you know, we got, look, we got. We got other we options. We got to get on to Mars. What, what's after Mars? We do have other options. Okay. Venus is number two. Okay. Venus seems like kind of a stretch. Very, very hot. Surface temperature is uh, 462 degrees Celsius, right? Acidic, a little more than I prefer. Yeah, no breathable oxygen, covered in volcanoes, sulfuric acid. This is our number two choice? This is number two. (laughs) You could use some robots to expose Venus's underground deposits of calcium and magnesium, resulting in a chemical reaction that would store CO2. So this is to get some of the CO2 out. Doesn't seem very likely, but uh, it's an option. Okay, next up, guesses. It's got to be a moon, like Titan. I hear people talk about Titan a lot. I think Titan's on the list. This now, the next up is Callisto. That's okay. another moon, though, right? That's a Jupiter, mm-hmm. a Jupiter, a Jupiterian, Jupiterian. Moon. I'll, we'll go with that. <laughs> yeah, uh, gets a lot of radiation. That's a problem. No, it doesn't. Uh, the other moons get a lot of radiation. <laughs> Sorry. This is the one moon that doesn't get radiation. You know, I mean, as I'm reading this article, I'm starting to think like maybe this isn't a great idea. Maybe we should just <laughs> try not to, to to bonk up the whole earth. I think I think that's a that's a foregone you conclusion. Know, I think I, we need to look forward. Let's mm-hmm. let's stay focused yeah. on completely inhabitable planets. These and... don't seem strictly realistic. So Callisto, you got a big problem. Full it's it's covered in icy surfaces. Once you melt those icy surfaces, it'll basically just be you know, an ocean planet. So I don't know exactly you <laughs> what know, good that does. Us. You do some water world type stuff there. <laughs> uh, Titan is number four. Yes. Ooh, the appeal of terraforming Titan lies in its vast reservoir resources. See, this sounds like I, I, I'm going to go to the mat for Titan here. I think Titan should be in spot number two. I really think it got it, it got you screwed by the judges being put down at four. You think Big Venus? Um, yeah, I, I think there's a Big Venus lobby. I think they they really they meddled with the yeah. results. Yeah. Maybe they just thought it was Venus's year this year. Is Venus after a lifetime of ranking due to proximity? Yeah, proximity probably helps mm-hmm. considerably. I can't the, imagine what Venus. other things it has above a place that's not covered in acidic gas. <laughs> <laughs> and doesn't the idea of something being rich in resources, I mean, obviously that's something that we would need to repopulate a planet, but doesn't that just get us in the same mindset and problem that got us into this in the first place? Like what? it doesn't get us out of resource wars. We're still, there, there maybe, feels like a tension there. Maybe that's why Venus is number two. They say, no, you need, it's a timeout. You need to think about what you've done. <laughs> yeah. Go and sit on the planet with nothing for a little while and see yeah. if uh, you treat it a little you better. You turned your planet into a carbon hellhole. So, okay, here's a second planet that's mm-hmm. a carbon hellhole. That's right. Yeah. This is what you wanted. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Next link. Next, Next link. link. So, inside your house, we have long been told that get a couple of plants, make the air nicer in your house. Yeah, get oxygen. It's always seemed like BS to me, and it turns out it is. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. This is an article from New Atlas. Some environmental engineers at Drexel University say, nuh-uh, to that. The original study was done in 89 by NASA, but they would take one plant and then they'd release one VOC, which is a volatile organic compound, which is what we're trying to get out of our air, and then they would see how fast it breaks it down. So they just took that one piece of information and extrapolated what it would remove from your air in your home. And then uh, these people at Drexel were like, no, this sounds like, like nonsense. So they did some math. Basically, if you had a square meter and you had a thousand plants in it, it would still not do as good a job as just your air conditioner or opening your window. 
They do nothing. So they do create oxygen still. They're just not cleaning the air. Mm-hmm. That's right. The, that was the sort of myth was that like, oh, you put a plant in there and it's going to like filter right. things out. Okay. But also even the oxygen creation, it's like, sure, it's still sure, minimal. but <laughs> you could also just open the door, open the door and let the fine. trees outside do the same yeah. thing. Yeah. It, yeah I mean, it, and having them in your house is calming. It feels better. It, you just got to be realistic about the benefits that they're providing you. Yes. That little tag that Home Depot puts on it. No. <laughs> lie. <laughs> All right. Next link. Next, next link. link. Um, so when you're training to be an astronaut, um, pretty common knowledge, you go underwater to kind of simulate the whole environment of what it's like to actually be in space. Uh, But there's an article from The Atlantic that goes into detail about what all is involved with this underwater training. That's so good. I thought you were going to say like, oh, no, they don't really go underwater. And I was like, no, that's that's part of my vision of like these astronauts go in a pool. And that's what they do. You tell me that plants don't clean your air. (laughs) And next you're going to tell me astronauts don't train underwater. I can only take so many disappointments in one day. So they do. They get in the pool. All right. They they do. And the pool is in Houston at the NASA Johnson Space Center. It's 40 feet deep and it holds enough water to fill several Olympic-sized pools. And beneath the surface, they have a replica of the International Space Station because what they're training them to do is go through these kind of dress rehearsals of how to make repairs and things like that. But it's kind of a pain. It's it's not really, uh, you know, like when you go to space camp and you get in that cool thing to simulate zero G. Um, a typical rehearsal lasts about six and a half hours. They wear maximum absorbency garments. That's where the astronaut diapers come in. That's exactly right. Um, So they've got tubes for air, of course. And then they also have water tubes that circulate through to cool down the wearers because you're doing all of this physical exertion. It gets really sweaty down there. It can be really hard on the body. Typically, people who are doing this, they have uh, pain in their fingertips. They'll have hands that have damage shoulders and feet. A lot of it has to do with being upside down, kind of wriggling in the suit. There's um, a female astronaut named Whitson. Um, She felt it most in her elbows because of the suit, because the smallest size available was a medium, which was still too big for her. To this day, she says she still can't straighten her arms all the way because of the pool training. Not being in space, but the dang pool training. That kind of ties in. Uh, There's another curated link from last week about the current efforts to redesign the space suit. We're not going to be able to have space babies if we're not making <laughs> space stuff that is appropriate for uh, appropriate for women. You got to get them up there too. Yeah, no space babies, no uh, silver surfer, no you know because when you have a baby in space, it will have powers or yeah. one of those. Or if you space have, guys. you know, we terraform Venus. Who knows? We may get some Venetian. Venusian. Venusian. Venusian is Venice. That's right. That's what blinds are. Venetian <laughs> blinds. <laughs> yeah. Venus is like a big. Big Venice, but just covered in acid. Right, sulfur instead of sulfur nice instead little of, <laughs> instead of water. All right. Well, that's all we have time for today. We're so glad that you came and joined us on this new podcast format. One of the things you may not have noticed, we did not talk about any sponsors during this podcast. That is because Damn Interesting has been and always will be an ad-free experience. We are committed to being donor and listener supported because we don't want to read ads. We know you don't want to hear them. And it introduces all sorts of just really gross motivations to have companies telling us what we can and cannot talk about. So we don't want to have anything to do with that. We hope that you don't either. If you've liked some of the content that we've provided, you want us to be able to keep going. We do have a Patreon if you do that. It's called Damn Interesting Week. We also have, of course, on damninteresting.com, our regular donation page where you can leave a comment saying we'd like to support the podcast. As of right now, we've got funding for six more episodes and we would love to keep making them for you. So please tune in next time. 
visit our site, check out some of these links, some of the links we didn't even get to talk about today, the most delicious foods that no longer exist, how elephant poop becomes fancy paper in Sri Lanka, and Russia's greatest Napoleonic reenactor was found drunk in a river with the severed arms of his lover in his backpack. Cool. So there's amazing content out there. There's plenty more we didn't talk about. We will talk about more next week. We hope we will see you then. Until then, I'm Jennifer Lee Noonan. I'm Curtis Luciani. I'm Courtney Hopkin. And I'm Angela Epley. And we hope you have a damn interesting week. Bye-bye. Bye.